Good morning, everybody. I really don't know how to follow that. That was fun. (laughs) And leave it to my kid to be front and center flossing in front of everyone, right? That's... Um, I, I, love, uh, I love Sunday mornings. I love that we get to be here today. And um, just Merry Christmas, everybody. It's, we're getting really close. We've got, uh, I think yesterday was a revelation where it was just like, oh man, we are like eight days away from this thing. And, uh, and then again, the, the panic of still need to do this, still need to do that, get all this starts, starts to set in, right? But, but I love the season. I love the, <clears throat> we have family coming in and um, we get to come and celebrate Christ's birth together. And I think it's just an incredibly special moment. And if anyone is on the fence about Christmas Eve at 11 p.m., I just want to say, uh, c- come and join us. It, it's, it's a lot of fun, and Jeff nailed it when he said, then your kids sleep in the next day, and that makes Christmas morning even better when everyone's waking up on their own schedule and not bouncing on your bed at four in the morning. It's Christmas time, right? It, it's a lot of fun, and how special is it that we get to sing in Christmas morning together? So I want to encourage you guys, 11 p.m., it's, it's a lot of fun, and it has become one of my favorite services that we do here at the church. Between that and our Thanksgiving service, I have a lot of fun with it. And uh, we've been talking a lot about the, the heart of Christmas and um, making sure we don't get lost in the, um, the, the, the presents and the lights and the decorations, which is so easy to do this season. Um, Christmas parties are, are happening and have been going on, or maybe they're coming up, and I know that in my house growing up, my, um, my mom would have this Christmas party for her work, and she loved going to it, but I would hear about it from my dad every year, how much he hated work Christmas parties. He kind of went in, they play the same game every year. They go in, and they do this, and it's every year my dad dreaded the Christmas party, but my mom loved it, so he went because he loved my mom. And it was one of those things where, um, even as, as goofy as it may sound, he would come home and tell us, he goes, Guys, remember these moments where I love your mom so much that I go to this, this really lame party every year for her. But, but growing up, that was a testament to me on, you know what, even on a silly example, yes, we can be goofy on those things, but it was an example of me of what does love look like for me and my wife? If she really, really loves something, I'll do it. I will watch the Hallmark movie every year, all 7,000 of them, because I love my wife. But in the midst of this, coming together to focus the reason of Christmas, the, the Christ's birth, Jesus coming to bring us hope, peace, joy, and love, the, the real reason we celebrate Christmas. And uh, this week, we're going we're gonna to finish up kind of our Advent series and talk about the greatest gift of all for this season, the love that God showed for us. So let's pray this morning. Let's welcome him in, and um, we'll dive in together. God, thank you so much for today. I, I thank you that um, as, as we come together this morning, we get to focus on the greatest gift of all, your love. Uh, the love you had when you sent your son down for us, what everything that, that started that morning and ultimately led to the cross. So God, I thank you that we get to celebrate that, and I thank you that we do get to celebrate with lights and music and dancing and fun, but most of all, we get to celebrate the love that you have, that you shared for us then, and that you share for us even to this day. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, so when we first started this, we talked about hope. And we talked all about um, the the hope in the middle of our circumstances because of God's faithfulness and how we we can always cling on to that hope no matter what we go through. Hope that God pulls through because in all circumstances, he does pull through. We talked about peace, Jesus' sacrifice to make sure that, that we have this peace in all seasons no matter what's going on in the turmoil of our lives. We're made right with God ourselves and others because of Christ and his peace. And we learned last week about finding joy in all circumstances and how joy and happiness are, are different. 
but um, underlying theme of joy, no matter what life throws at you, knowing that, that even, if, even if my team beats your team, we can still have joy together, right? Because it's bigger than football. It's bigger than sports stuff. But, but happiness being a circumstantial thing, but joy being the fuel and the core of what, what comes through with, with, a, with a Christ-filled life. And today we're going to talk about the heart of Christmas being this great love that God has for us. And, and love is a word that we use all the time. Um, as a culture, we say it a lot. And there's a lot of things that, that we love, right? We, we love our families. We, we love our kids. We love our spouses. I, I love this church. I love that I get to, to come up here and that we moved up here to, to be the pastors here. I love this, this part of our lives. But there's, we use the same word for other things that Maybe we don't love as much, but we use the same word. For example, I love snowboarding. I love snowboarding. I have lots of fun. Um, I love superheroes. On, on Sundays, I wear a collared shirt. Most other days, I'm wearing Wolverine or Superman or Spider-Man. I, I wear superhero stuff all the time. I love superheroes. I love movies. I, I love going to the movies. I, I went um, with my daughter and some friends to go see Wonka last night. Super fun movie. I love going to the movies. I love a good steak. I do. I love Christmas. I love when my kids listen. It's a rarity, but I love it, <laughs> right? I love when my kids listen. As a culture today, though, we, we use the word love for so many things. It's thrown out there a lot. And I know we have different levels of love. Like when I say, I love my, my wife, that's very different from when I say, I love going to the movies. Same word, two very different meanings. Now, I want, I want to talk about love today because the, the point is we use the word so much that I think as a people, we can forget exactly how powerful that word is. E even, even as youth, we can throw the word out there. We say, oh, I got a girlfriend. I love my girlfriend. And I remember actually talking to my kids about this when, um, when it, the conversation came up about, you know, when do you say I love you? And my daughter doesn't have a boyfriend. Don't worry about it. This is not like a, what I had to tell her. You said what? <clears throat> but I did get to talk to her about, hey, this is what love means. If, if a boy is going to say, I love you to you, this is what he is willing to do for you. And if you say, I love you to that boy, this is what you are saying you are willing to do for that boy. And we talked about sacrificing and self-sacrifice, and it's much more than just a feeling. <clears throat> but as a culture, we say we love so much that I think we forget often very easily, what does it mean? <clears throat> what does love mean? And when God says, I love you, how deep and how powerful is that? Now, I do love Christmas. I love Christmas very much. But have you ever got a gift from someone that you didn't love? Uh, let's be honest. What if you got a present that you didn't even like? And, and what do you say when you're around friends and family, when you get a gift that you do not love, you do not like, and you don't know what to say? Well, I did some work for you. I put together a top 10 list for you. This is the top 10 ways you may take gratitude or show gratitude and arm yourself if a present comes to you this way. Number 10, something you can say, ready? You must have had fun picking this out for me. <laughs> right, right, so you can take a picture of this one, they're all up there, maybe load your arsenal for Christmas morning. Number nine, wow, I'm simply at a loss for words. <laughs> Number eight, well, 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 now there's a gift. Number seven, this may or may not be a true story. No, really, I didn't know there was a Chia Pet tie. Wow, it's a clip-on, too. <laughs> oh, yes. Number six, you know, I always wanted one of these. Jog my memory. What's it called again? 
Number five, you know what? I'm going to find a special place to put this. Number four, boy, you don't see craftsmanship like that every day. Number three, and it's such an interesting color too. Number two, you say that was the last one? I'm glad you grabbed that baby up. And number one, you shouldn't have. No, I really mean it. You really shouldn't have. So lo load your, your arsenal with those you know, gratitude statements for Christmas. And I hope this prepares you for any and all scenarios that you may have on Christmas morning. But um, today, I want to talk about that gift that we don't have to rehearse a response for. The gift that is unwarranted, undeserved, that there really is no words that can really encompass the gratitude we get when it's given to us. The greatest gift that's ever been given to us in Christmas time when we really focus in what this gift is and what it means. See, when, when God sent his son to be born, this was the biggest expression he could possibly give of his unending, unrelentless, amazing love for us. This, this love that was so thoughtful because it met our greatest need, a, a cure and reprieve from our sinful state, a way to bring us back to him, a, a gift whose it's priceless because this could never be purchased by anything else. No good deed, no amount of what you do can ever earn this for us. It is given to us through the blood of Christ. It's a timeless gift because the grace of God is never ending. And above all else, the heart of Christmas boils down to love. The love that God had and the love that God still has for us. You see, the, the, the Bible in its entirety, when you read it from Genesis all the way through Revelation, you know what ultimately is the, the genre you can put this in? This is a love story. The, the whole Bible as a well, whole, this is the biggest love story ever written from God to us. It's, it's, it's epic. From, from creation to the return of Jesus, we see God's love time and time again. Despite our shortcomings, despite humanity failing and failing and failing, we see the one thing that never fails. We see God's love prevailing, prevailing, prevailing over and over again. We see God step in again and again when we mess up, all while issuing truth and justice. And the whole time he does it with this incredible amount of love that can be unmatched. And something we see in the Christmas story, when, when we read through this passage, and whatever gospel you choose to read it from, I know one of my favorites is Luke. But when we read the Christmas story, we see that God's gift was right on time. God's gift was right on time. It was, it was perfect. And we say that about so many things. God acts on his time, and his time is always perfect. But at this particular point in history, and we've said this for a number of weeks, this was the perfect time for God to say, all right, Jesus, now it's time to go. I'm sending you down now to be born and walk with humanity ultimately to give your life for them. Have you ever received a present from someone and, and you could not believe how perfect the timing was? Or someone out of the blue, not even just Christmas time, just throughout, throughout the year, or someone gives you a phone call and it's like, wow, that timing was perfect. Something, something I love hearing as a pastor is, um, and I actually put this on Facebook, I received a call this week, um, or a text from someone saying, hey, I've really liked this message and it's spoken to me. And I, I got to have a, just a quick conversation of what, what have you learned from this message? And this man said, I, I'm sharing it with my coworkers here and it sparked some good conversation. I love hearing things like that. Because that, for me, that shows that this is not just me putting something together and studying here. This is God working in people. And, or when someone tells me, hey, I came to church and I felt like that message was given right at me. That was right to me. The timing was perfect. For me, I know that's not my timing. That is God's timing. That is absolutely God's timing. And God's gift, specifically at Christmas, this was right on time. And the book of Galatians talks about timing. 
time of Christmas. And Paul wrote about it in this. In Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, he says this. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. You see, from the, from the moment creation was broken by sin, God had this plan, this master plan to restore us and bring us back to him. And the Bible is this account of his faithfulness to reverse the effects of our rebellion in the fall. Motivated by, by love, God partnered with other people in scripture. God, God sent Jesus and got his disciples. He got this great mission of love that started and spread through the world. And it was this big rescue plan that was hatched from the beginning and it still is going through to this day all throughout history. And that's important for us to distinguish when it comes from God, this story, how it comes from God. The story of Jesus was not motivated by fear. God was not motivated by anger. He was not motivated by desperation. It was pure love that he did this for us. Nothing else but love. Paul wrote that when Jesus came and was born to Mary, uh, that the fullness of time had come. This was the right moment to make a way for the world to be restored. Because of love, God was not content to sit back and watch people sin and there be no hope. He was not content to sit back and just watch people continue to mess it up. He said, I am so uncontent with what humanity is doing, and I love them too much to watch it happen. them do this on their own. I'm going to step in. And he did step in in the greatest way possible. He went great lengths to make sure that we know we are part of his family. It reminds me of this Facebook post that I stumbled upon. There's this woman, Tracy Howell of Leonard, Texas, and she had this great and unique way of showing her husband how much she, she loved him on his daily life. So um, on December 1st, 2020, she shared this on Facebook. She said, Clifford and I have been married for almost 41 years, and I have made his lunch every working day since day one. Stephanie's not in here today, so she's upstairs. But... <laughs> she made his lunch every day since day one. On occasion, I would join him on the job site and have lunch with him. He made the comment once that lunch tasted better when you share it with someone you love. <clears throat> Soon after that, while fixing a sandwich one night, I took a bite of it before putting it away. When he got home, long before cell phones, he commented that someone took a bite out of his sandwich. I told him that since I couldn't join him for lunch, I took a bite so he knew I was joining him. I continue to do this frequently, unless it's tuna or pimento cheese. He still says, I saw that you joined me for lunch today, and it sure was good. It's a sweet story, right? See, see Tracy, wasn't, she wanted her husband to know that she wasn't just thinking about him. She was actually joining him in his daily experiences, and that was a way that she could say, I'm with you today. And she, took a, she was taking a bite out of whatever he was going through that day and letting him know, hey, when you sit down for lunch, I'm here. Even if I'm at home, just know that I'm here and I love you. What, what perhaps is most amazing about this story of Jesus coming to us is, is like Jesus doesn't just sit somewhere else. He is with us every single day. He meets you where you are. He came to meet you right where you are as you are right now. He was born under the law of God in order to redeem mankind from regulations of the law. And in doing so, he met the perfect requirement, the perfect requirements that the law demanded. And what I see is this. It's, it's where we fail, Jesus is successful. Where we fail, Jesus is successful. And what I do know is it's impossible for him to fail. And because it's impossible for him to fail, we can always hold on to and be a part of his success story because his success story includes that sacrificial, all-encompassing, never-ending love. It will never fail even when we do. His success has ultimately brought us to a, a very valued part of the family. And this is a key piece to know this, that not only does God love us and we're a part of his family, we are loved into the family of God. 
You are literally loved into the family of God. According to Galatians 4, <clears throat> the full expression of God's love is, is shown in our spiritual adoption. We become children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and people will say that, you're my brother in Christ, you're my sister in Christ. And that's from scripture, literally saying we are adopted into God's family. And I know there are some families here that are going through adoption or have adopted kids. And what's great when we talk about that is I know when those parents talk about the kids that they've adopted, they never say, my adopted son, my adopted daughter. Oh, they simply say, this is my son. This is my daughter. When we are in the family of Christ, God doesn't say, okay, you are just now adopted in my family. Let's do this. He says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You are in my family. The late pastor J.I. Packer wrote this incredible expression of love that came to us at Christmas. He said this, adoption is the highest privilege that gospel offers, higher even than justification. To be right with God, the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God, the father is greater. Many of us can live our lives every day missing that simple fact when you say, I am loved by God. We, we can take it for granted, just kind of blow, blow through it like, yeah, I know God loves me. But when we stop and think about what that means, that's a big deal. Think, think of it this way. For, for those of us who are married and have gotten married, um, what's the, the first year of marriage people refer to that as the what phase? The honeymoon phase. It is the honeymoon phase. The first thing for marriage where you're walking on the clouds, you just kind of, you kind of float across the room because you're so happy and things are going good. Um, everything seems special when your spouse does it, literally everything. But if we aren't careful, those little, those little things that your spouse says we do for each other, they go from special things to expected things. We start expecting people to do things. And what seems like special things in the beginning, start to think, we start to think of the norm. And we start to not think about them as special. The phrase, I love you, becomes redundant and starts losing its meaning. Um, I remember I was with a, a friend of mine, and um, this is back when I was interning. And um, he, his wife called, and he was like, this, this, okay, love you, bye. And just hung up, and I, was, I remember telling him, I was like, man, do you love her? And it was a redundant question. I knew he loved his wife. He was like, yeah. I was like, well, then will you say it like you mean it next time? And, um, and he and I will joke about that even to this day about the way we say, I love you to our spouses. But all that to say, that phrase means something. It means something big. But it can lose its meaning if we let it. Couples who thrive 30, 40, 50 years later usually have something in common. Something they have in common is that their understanding for love never took a back seat in their relationship. Didn't lose its meaning. It was always the forefront, always special. God's love for us never takes a back seat. Never once in your entire walk with him will God say, oh, well, I took it for granted that you were going to do this for me anyways. He loves you too much. It will never play second fiddle in his life. He loves you. Relationships that last are not taken for granted. And when we miss the fact that we've been adopted into God's family, we have a hard time loving ourselves. We can have a really hard time loving ourselves when, we, when we, we miss that, that we are part of the greatest loving father in the world, in the universe, in anything. God's love is too big. The problem with that is that if we have a hard time loving ourselves, we're going to have a hard time loving other people. We're going to have a hard time, a hard time giving it out. And we'll, it, it, it's hard to understand if you can't give it out, but then we're not looking at people as people that are loved by God. We're just looking at them as people that are giving us a hard time or people that we're coming across that, that are making our lives difficult. But our job is to love. The reason this aspect of Christmas should not be missed or avoided is because it is very central to us being who God has called us to be, to love him and love others. 
Paul tells us all the benefits about this in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. It's a big passage, but this is, this is amazing. It says this, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace for which he has freely given in us the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. When When he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That's a big chunk of scripture, but there are so many key elements in that that talk about how great God's love is and what it means for us today. If we look back at verse four, it says, we are made God's family. We are blameless in God's sight, blameless in his sight. Our sins are washed away by his love. God's will and way are made known to us the way the father may share with a child. If you look at verse nine, his love shows that we are forgiven from sins. We're forgiven from all of our sins. We are marked with a seal to ensure that we are filled with the spirit of God. We are chosen to receive the hope and salvation. We will inherit eternal life as one of God's precious possessions. These are are amazing highlights in in the passage. If you could highlight those in your Bible app or whatever you're using, highlight those lines because they are so evident what God's love means for us. Forgiveness, sealed, (laughs) the Holy Spirit. And and when it says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, in, in in, in Scripture times, in Bible times, there was a very common act amongst slaves. If someone was bought as a slave, they would receive a brand. And very often in that culture, it was somewhere on their face. And so if that slave ever ran or servant ever ran, they would be brought back based off the seal. And so when when Paul writes this, he's writing to a very specific culture. He's saying, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Saying, in God's eyes, you are marked. He knows you belong to him. That was, he was speaking to a culture where they very much identified with what does a seal mean? So for Paul to say, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that was powerful. I was saying, no matter where you go in life, God's got you. You belong to him. God's love is huge. He seals us and we're marked. We are his. All of this success has ultimately brought us to a very lauded part of this, right? It's only made possible by the arrival of Jesus. All of this was made possible by the arrival of Jesus at the right time to one day to sacrificially give his life so that we could be with him forever, validating God's amazing love for us. And lastly today, understand this. Love freely received is love freely given. Love freely received is love freely given. God gives it to us for free. What's our response now? Give it. Give it to people around us. Um, our, our youth leader, Alan, did this great message with the kids this last Thursday where he held this ball and he said, um, he said if, 
What if I were to tell you, if you touch this, you will live forever? But the caveat is, now you get to talk to your friends, and if they touch it, they can live forever. What would you do? And it sparked great conversation. And what the, the point we're getting at with this is, God gave us this amazing gift of eternal life because he loves us, and he gives us to that for free. Because he gives that to us for free, we've got a job to do. Let's give it to others for free. Love freely given, or received, is love freely given. The reason love must be at the heart of Christmas is because if we miss the central message of the season in the midst of the lights and in the midst of the presence, we're, we're going to have a hard time recognizing it for ourselves, a hard time recognizing it and a hard time giving it. And what, what can be tragic about this oversight is often we give the kind of love that, that we perceive to be ours, and even if we don't understand the, the gravity of what this love really, really means. If we have not experienced the grace of God, if you've not experienced the love of God in your life, it's really hard to give that to somebody else. It's really hard to emulate what God is doing if you're not letting God do it for you. If you don't know the compassion of God, it's going to be really hard to show compassion to other people. But when we recognize the kind of love that God has for us, this becomes the way that we in turn then treat other people around us. When you recognize what God's doing in you, you then can start doing that in others. One of the most famous passages in the Bible about love helps us understand God's feeling for us and the way we should feel about our spouses, our children, our friends, and our neighbors. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 13. It's the, the love chapter in the Bible, and it says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give my body to hardship so that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put all the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So anytime you say, I love you to someone, think of this. This is what this word means. And then when you think of the phrase, I am loved by God, go to this. This is what it means. God loves you. We can get caught up in all kinds of things, even good things, but, but if we miss the point that love should be the motivating factor, if love is not the motivating factor, it's for nothing. We have nothing without it. Love has been freely given from God, and this should cause us to be patient for one another, to be kind to one another, to fuel our conversations with one another. It should help us avoid being envious, avoid, um, avoid being proud in situations. Love drives us to honor others, to, to keep a cool head. Love is present when we, are, when we avoid evil and we rejoice with good. Does this sound like the kind of love that you've received from God? Because, man, this is, there's nothing quite like it. 
And if you say, if you say yes, yes, then, then the question is, is this the love that I show to other people? God gave it to me. Am I giving this out? Now, this is the way this passage may sound during Christmas. So this is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13, Dustin's Christmas translation. Not the word of God, okay? So don't, don't like, oh, our pastor quoted scripture. This, this, is, this is my version, all right? How this looks for me. If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and shiny ornaments, but I don't have love, I'm just another decorator. If I work hard in the kitchen baking Christmas cookies, yes, I bake and I like to, okay? Preparing gourmet meals, arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but don't have love, I'm just another cook. If I work at a soup kitchen, sing carols in the nursing home, give all that I have to charity, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. If I trim... If I trim and decorate my living room with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes and attend holiday parties and sing worship, sing with the worship team at church, don't get your hopes up. But do not focus on Christ. I have missed the point. Love stops the cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside the decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind even when beaten up and tired. Love does not envy another's home that has coordinated Christmas china and fancy table linens. Stephanie. Love does not yell at the kids to get out of the way, but it's thankful they are there to be in the way. Love does, not only, love does not give only to those who are able to give in return, but rejoices in giving to those who cannot. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. That's how it resonates for me this year. So my challenge for, for us as a church now is when you read 1 Corinthians 13, how does this translate into your life? What, what are things that you could say, all right, I do some of these things, but love's not the motivating factor. If I were to let love be the factor for all of it, what would it change at home? And know that we do that, not because just we should, but we get to, because God loves us so, so much. I'd like to invite the worship team up so we get ready to close this morning. And as we come to a close, never forget this. Toys will break. Pearl necklaces will be lost. Golf clubs will rust. But, the, but giving the gift of love will endure. All the stuff we have here on earth, it's, it's finite, it's material. The stuff here will go away. Um, this, this past, just a couple days ago, um, something we do on the Mexico trip, we get to go to a market, and I found this guy who would do kind of like blown glass, heat it up, and he would write people's names on little rose flowers and stuff. And so I got them for my kids. And we've had these things for years. They survived the trip from California up to Washington, this very fragile glass. Well, a couple nights ago, I went into my office and saw a couple of them shattered on the ground. And I remember thinking, oh, I was, I was so heartbroken in those moments. And then I was mad. I did. I, I got pretty upset because, one, I was like, someone broke them and someone didn't tell me. You know, who broke them? Turned out my youngest daughter was trying to get a sheet of paper out from the computer desk where they were and she knocked them over and she didn't tell anyone she just went did her thing and when we asked her about it you know Stephanie went and told her said you know Avery I, I need to ask you about this and we showed we showed her the shattered glass and she just started crying we said you know Avery did you do this and she said yes and why didn't you tell us she was like because I was scared I was going to get in trouble and then Avery came in and she sat down with me and I just got to hug her and I told her, I said, you know, I love you more than those glass flowers. We, we go to Mexico every year. Maybe we can get more. But the thing is, that is just a material item. 
and it will break, and it's gone. And did I expect it to last forever, knowing I was giving it at that time to a three-year-old little girl? No, it was going to break. It lasted a while. I had a good run. But the thing is, that flower, my love for her is not dependent on that flower. The biggest thing I could ever give her is my heart showing her I love her no matter what. She'll make mistakes. That's fine. That's a material thing. It was a bummer, but it's fine. I love her. I love her because she's my kid. No matter what we do in life, leave here today knowing no matter what you've done or where you come from, God loves you. Don't take that word for granted. Don't push it off to the side. More than anything, he loves you. Amen? Would you stand with me? This Christmas, look on that. Look at, look at the arrival of Jesus. It's the ultimate gift from God. The, the gift where the only proper, the proper response is to receive it and give it to other people. He loves you. Let's love each other. Amen? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for sending your son for us. And God, I pray that that, that doesn't just fuel this season for us, God, but when we look at your love, it fuels our very life. God, it's, maybe, maybe there's people in here today that, that haven't received you yet, God. And I pray that, that there's a working in their heart where they say, man, there's this peace that's missing and it's the love of God that I've never really experienced that I want. And I pray, God, you show it to them today. And God, for those of us who, who maybe have received that, I pray that today sparks a new point where we say, today is gonna be the day where I go every day making sure people know that I love them because you love me and that fuels everything we do. So God, we thank you for this incredible gift and that that is the reason for this season. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.